0: So in these verses of Suratul hadid at the beginning, we are reminded of who our Lord is. That He is the one who is worthy of being glorified at all times by all creatures. And the fact is that there is no creature except that it is glorifying the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is screaming out, it is shouting out the glory and the perfection of Allah by its very existence. And in this is a reminder for us that what is wrong with you, O people? Why don't you recognize who Allah is when Allah has favored you the most with intelligence, with reason, with a heart that is full of emotion? So why don't you do tasbih of Allah? And then we are invited to believe, even though we may already believe. We are invited to strengthen and to renew our faith. In Allah, in His Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we are reminded of the mithaq, the pledge that we have made with Allah. Whether this pledge is the one that was made before we came into this world, or it is the pledge of La ilaha illallah. Because when we say La ilaha illallah, what does it mean? That I don't believe in any God except who? Except Allah. I don't believe that there is anything worthy of being ilah except who? Except Allah, because La Ilaha is a negation. So you made this commitment already that the center of your life will be who, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So now, what is wrong with you? Why are you lagging in your actions? So renew your faith, refresh your faith, strengthen your faith, and come forward in the way of Allah. And especially, we are invited to spend in the way of Allah. Spend, give Him, to give Allah Qard Hasan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking us to give a loan to Him. I was listening to a lecture by Ustad Nurman Ali Khan on Surah Al-Hadid, and I encourage all of you to listen to it. And when he explained this ayah, حسنى, he gave an example. He said, just imagine if your mother comes to you, and she says to you, that can I borrow a hundred dollars from you, and I promise I will return them to you. Your mother asks, to borrow a hundred dollars from you on the condition that she will give it back to you. Now for us, maybe it's not that big of a deal, but for a man, this is humiliating. Where was he? What kind of a selfish, arrogant child is he? That his mother is the one who looked after him, and now look at him, he's got the money, and his mother is in need, and she has to come and ask him, can you lend me a hundred dollars? Can you imagine just put yourself in a situation like that? Why would a mother do that? Because she knows that her son would not, loves his money too much. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also knows that we love our things too much. The things that He has given us. The things that we don't truly own. We just have them temporarily for some time. But we love them too much. al Hubban jamma With an immense love. We're too attached to these things. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making an offer over here. Would you like to give something? And look at the question, man Is there anybody, is there anybody who would give Allah alone? And when you're thinking about giving Allah alone, this is not just financial. This is not just financial. It's giving your time and your energy and yourself, your soul, your reputation, your honor. Because many times, more than our wealth, what is important to us is our reputation and honor. And so we will sacrifice many things, but we will do anything to protect our image in front of others. But the thing is that when you're serving the religion of Allah, when you're doing something for the sake of Allah, one of the first things that you have to sacrifice is actually your ego. One of the first things that is attacked is actually your honor. One of the first things that people attack when you're doing something for the sake of Allah is what? They question your sincerity. They question your integrity. They question your intentions. And then they say things about you that are inaccurate. So man ذا Who is that person who would give Allah alone? But don't worry. If you will give Allah alone, He will not leave you empty-handed. He will give you more. فَيُضَاعِفَهُ لَهُ Allah will give him even more. Because yes, while there are people who are humiliated in this world for the sake of Allah, near Allah, we hope that insha'Allah they have a very high status. And this real status will come forth on the Day of Judgment. As we see in the following verses, that how there's a distinction made between the believers, the sincere believers who strove in the way of Allah, and the other group of people, the munafiqun, who appear to be Muslim, who were supposedly with the rest of the crowd. But on the Day of Judgment, what will happen at that time when they will be crossing the bridge? A wall will be placed, separating the hypocrites from the believers. On the other side of the wall where the believers are, there will be Allah's mercy and reward. Because that is how a person can enter into Jannah, once he's crossed the bridge. And then on the side of the hypocrites, there will be Adab. And notice how in the wall, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, there will be a door. Surin, lahu bab. There is a door. What is a door for? To go through from one side to the other. If there is a wall with a door in it, what does that door mean? It's, it's supposed to be a way, a means of access to the other side of the wall. Correct? So this wall, what is the purpose of that? Remember that there are levels of hypocrisy. Right? There are levels of hypocrisy. There is hypocrisy that is in aqidah, in one's faith. Like for example, we learn Abdullah ibn Ubayy at the time of the Prophet sallam He was a hypocrite in his belief. In his heart, he was a hypocrite, a real hypocrite. In the sense that on the outside, he demonstrated Islam, but on the inside, he hated Islam. And that hate, yes, it did become visible every now and then. Anyone who studies the seerah will come to know of that. Right? So this is nifaq in aqeedah. And for such people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they will be in the lowest level of hellfire. Even lower than the disbelievers. Can you imagine? There is a person who rejects the existence of Allah. He's lived his life like that. He has a certain level in hellfire. But even lower than that, is a level of a hypocrite. The one who apparently shows belief, he conforms. Why? Because otherwise he'll be ostracized or he will not get the benefits that the Muslims get. Right? So he's outwardly a Muslim just for the sake of getting Muslim benefits. That's it. You might wonder, what are those benefits that a Muslim could get, right? These days especially. But remember in Medina, right? If you were a Muslim, then what happened? I mean... MashaAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was giving the Muslims victory upon victory upon victory, right? And every person of reason and high status was converting to Islam. So it wasn't reasonable to stay back. So this is why Abdullah bin Ubayy accepted Islam. Anyway, this will be the state of who? The hypocrites who have hypocrisy in their belief. All right? So such people will be in hellfire for how long? Eternally never to come out of there. There is another level of nifaq, which is in amal, in actions. The Prophet ﷺ informed us of the actions of hypocrisy. What are they? Lying. All right. One example is lying. Likewise, bad akhlaq, lack of understanding the religion. Such actions or characteristics the Prophet ﷺ, he described hypocrites as such who possess these characteristics. So anyway, there could be a person who is sincere in his faith, meaning he actually does believe in Allah. They actually do believe in the Day of Judgment with their heart. But yes, there are times when they will lie. Yes, there are times when they will demonstrate extremely poor akhlaq, extremely bad akhlaq And of course the other characteristics also, the other actions also such as breaking promises and etc., etc. So these actions are also punishable. Right? So why is there a door in this wall? Because some people who do possess hypocrisy in their actions, yes, they'll be punished in the fire, but eventually, because of the sincere faith that they have, even if it is the amount of, how much? A mustard seed. They will eventually be brought out of hellfire. So they'll go through that door into Allah's mercy, into paradise. And here in these verses, we also see that the believers will be given their light. And how that light will be in front of them and also on their right. And we learn that the munafiqeen, they will not have any light. And they will request the believers, they will urge them, that wait for us let us share some of your light. And you see, borrowing this light, it doesn't cause light to reduce. It only causes light to increase. Right? Because remember, iqtibas what is it? To light fire, right, on a piece of wood. How? By burning it in another fire. So when you take fire like that, you're not reducing the original fire. If it was liquid, if it was tea, yes, that original amount would reduce. But when it comes to light and fire, they don't reduce. So, نَقْتَبِسْ مِن نُورِكُمْ As if they're saying, what harm would it do to you if we borrowed some of your light? Let us have some of your light, we're desperately in need of it. And then, قِيلَ It will be said. It will be said by who? By who? Could be the angels. Or could be the believers. But the hypocrites will be told, "Go back to where you came from, meaning the world, and get light from there. Do something there so that you can have light right now." And this is, of course, sarcasm. Aisha radhiAllahu anha she asked the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that when the earth will be changed into another earth, as Allah says, "Yawma tubaddalu al-ardu al-ard," when this will happen, where will people be? And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Humfi zulma." They will be in darkness. Because as we learn in the Qur'an, إِذَا shamsu kuwirat, The sun will be wrapped up. It will lose its light. The moon also will lose its light. So then what will happen? Each person will be granted their own light, especially at the time of crossing the bridge. In a hadith we learn, one of the companions, he said, that Allah will gather the people on the day of resurrection. Some of them will be given light like a mountain. So huge like a mountain in front of them and right next to them. Can you imagine a light like that? Could there be any fear on a person who has this much light? Some of them will be given more light than that. Do you think mountain is huge? Some will be given even more than that. Some will be given their light like a palm tree. Tall, but not as wide. Because mountain is wide and tall. And some will be given less than that. So some people will be given light like a mountain. Others like a palm tree on their right side. And some people will be given less than that on their right side. The last one to be given light will be given light on his toe, on his big toe. That's all the light he will have in front of him. That's it. And this light on his toe will also flicker. It will go on and off. When it will shine, he will move forward on the bridge. And when it will extinguish, he will stand still. This is how this person is going to cross the sirat. And the sirat, the Prophet ﷺ, he said that, how is it? It is sharper than a sword and thinner than a hair. From which it is very easy to slip. So people will come on the bridge with their own light. And then they will cross the bridge. Some of them will cross it like a falling star. Meaning very quickly. Others will cross it like the wind or like the blinking of an eye. Blink your eyes. That's it. That's it. Or like a man running or jogging according to the level of his deeds, then the one whose light is on his big toll, he will also attempt to cross the bridge. But as he will cross it, with one hand slipping, and the other holding on, and one foot slipping, and the other hanging on, with the fire hitting his sides, until when he will eventually pass the bridge, he will cross the bridge, he will say, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, all praise to Allah who has saved us from you O fire after we have seen you. So He will glorify and praise Allah at that time. In another hadith we learn the Prophet said, Each person, believer or hypocrite, will be given his light. They will follow it on the bridge. And on this bridge are hooks and thorns, seizing whoever they wish. And then the light of the hypocrite will be extinguished. As they will be going, the light of the hypocrites will be extinguished because يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهَ وَالَّذِينَ amanu. In this life, they deceived Allah. So on the bridge, they will be deceived. Initially, they will be given light, and then that light will go off. al he said that everyone will be given a light on the Day of Judgment. When they will arrive at the sirat, at the bridge, the light of the hypocrites will be extinguished. And when the believers will see that, they will be concerned that their light also will be extinguished. Some believers will worry. And this is when they will make dua. They will ask Allah. In Surah Al-Tahreem, ayah 8, we learn, Allah says, Atmim lana nurana. They will say, Oh our Lord, Atmim lana nurana. Perfect for us our light. Waghfir and forgive us. So when they will see the light of the hypocrites die out, they will ask Allah to perfect their light for us. And then, in the next ayah, what does Allah say? That as the believers and the hypocrites are separated with that wall, the believers make it Safely. They crossed the bridge safely. What is it that the hypocrites will say? Were we not with you? Were we not together? Weren't we family? Weren't we related? Weren't we from the same group? Didn't we do such and such together? We were best buddies. What happened? How come you're there and I'm here? And the believers will respond, Bala, of course you were. وَلَكِنَّكُمْ Fatantum an You put yourself in sin. You put yourself in danger. You see we can blame anybody we want to for the sins that we commit, for how we fall short in our duty to Allah. We can blame others, we can blame the society, we can blame our family, but nobody can make a sin except ourselves. Even shaitan cannot make us commit sin unless and until we say yes, we comply. Our nafs also can suggest something, but it cannot make us do something until we agree. Isn't it so? I mean, even when it comes to emotion, you know, how emotion is understood, one of the ways is that You have an emotion, right? But before your action, there is a cognitive appraisal Meaning you interpret that situation And based on that interpretation, you react You display an emotion So for example, if we are showing anger It's because we understood that situation to be such that we must display anger If we are afraid, it's because we understood that situation to be frightening That's why we're showing fear So the point is that we choose to do what we do. So let's not blame others. Let's not blame the society. And let's not blame our parents. And let's not blame our husbands. And let's not blame our children. And let's not blame the world. وَلَكِنَّكُمْ فَتَنْتُمْ أَنفُسَكُمْ You put yourself in fitna. You put yourself in sin. You put yourself in situations where you ended up committing sin. It's your fault in other words. And then, secondly, bastum? You waited. You just kept delaying, and delaying, and delaying. In the previous verses we learned, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to us, that there is a difference between those who strive and give in the way of Allah earlier, compared to those who do the same thing later on. Those who do it first, then their level is higher. Those who do it right away, their level is higher, compared to those who do it later on. And the thing is that when we keep delaying and deferring, many times we end up losing that opportunity completely. We end up losing that opportunity completely. وَتَرَبَّصْتُمْ You waited. وَارْتَبْتُمْ And you doubted. This is the real problem. You didn't have yaqeen in your heart. Because if you really believed with conviction, you wouldn't delay. وَغَرَّتْكُمُ amani? <الْأَمَانِي> False hopes deluded you. False hopes that a person is committing sin and at the same time he's saying Allah is raheem. Allah is raheem. We must have hope in His mercy, definitely. This is not a false hope. This is a real hope, genuine hope, very good hope that Allah is merciful and forgiving. But we cannot have this attitude that on the one hand, we are committing sin knowingly, deliberately, and we're laughing and saying Allah is raheem. This is making a mockery of the deen. وَغَرَّتْكُمُ الْأَمَانِيِّ False hopes deluded you. حَتَّى جَاءَ أَمْرُ الله, You lived your life like this until the command of Allah came. وَغَرَّكُمْ بِاللَّهِ الْغَرُورِ And shaitan, yes, he deceived you. He deceived you. He won. Because in this life, we're basically battling who? Shaitan. One of our enemies in this life is who? Shaitan. So shaitan, he uses deception. He doesn't come in front of us like people come in front of us. He uses deception. Just like they use deception in marketing and in other things, shaitan is king of this. He knows exactly how to deceive people. So he deceived you. Al-Gharur. There is a khutbah by Ustad Nurman Ali Khan on this ayah. And your homework is that you must listen to that khutbah even if you've already heard it. Okay? I know most of you may have already heard it, but I want you to listen to it again. This is part of your homework. And don't do it the day before the assignment is due. Okay? I want you to listen to it either today or within the next few days. It's only about 30 minutes long. It's not very long. It's just a khutbah. So please do listen to it. And I want you to take notes. I want you to take notes. Write down examples that he gives and the way he explains all of these deceptions. How is it that a person, while having iman, or supposedly having iman, supposedly a Muslim, because this is who these munafiqeen are, right? They were supposedly with the rest of the crowd. alamnakum marakum, We were with you. But then, why did they end up behind the wall? Why? What happened? What went wrong? Because every single one of us could be there. Could be there. Wal ayyadu billah. So we have to know about these things in order that we can become careful. Let's continue. Alam ya'ni amanu. Has the time not come for those people who have believed? Is it not about time, O oh, you believers? Alam ya'ni. Ya'ni from the root letters Hamza ya anyun. Or ina, which is used for time, a moment. Ana ya'ni is when the time of something is near, or it has already come. It is said, ana raheel. It's time to go, now. Right now is the moment when we leave. This very moment is the time of departure. Ana al hamim. The water is boiling now. It has reached boiling point right now at this moment. So, alam yani, Has the time not already come? Is it not already time? We're almost getting late. Isn't it time already? For those who believe, and qulubuhum That their hearts تخشع that their hearts become humbly submissive, khushur. Their hearts should lower and bend with humility, overwhelmed by fear and humility for Allah, so that they can become soft and accept what Allah is commanding them. Meaning, if it is not time now, then when is it going to be? After having heard so much after having read so much, after having learnt so much, when will be the time to change? Isn't it now? Isn't it at this moment? Aren't we late already? That their hearts humble, they become humbly submissive for the dhikr of Allah. Li For the dhikr of Allah. Meaning the hearts of the believers should humble and become soft and they should bend for Allah's dhikr. When you bend for something, what does it mean? What does it mean? You submit and you surrender. What is Allah's dhikr? It's the Qur'an. وَمَا نَزَلَ مِنَ الْحَقِّ And for that which Allah has revealed of the truth. And what is that? that which allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the prophet sallallahu alaihi wa sallam with so one way of understanding this is that the dhikr of allah refers to the quran and ma nazala min al-haq refers to the sunnah that the quran and sunnah isn't it about time that the hearts of the believers they submit humbly they submit humbly so they accept and they change they accept and they comply أَنْ تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Lamb over here can also be understood as Lamb of Ta'aleel. Because of Allah's dhikr. Isn't it about time that the believers realize that they haven't been as humble and as submissive when it comes to the Qur'an and Sunnah as they should have been? Shouldn't this fear and this guilt create a sense of urgency? Isn't it about time? When are they going to change? And تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ ولا يكونوا And that they should not become كَالَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قبل Like those people who were given the book before. Who was given the book before the Muslims? It was the Yahud and the Nasara. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them books also. And to us, Allah has given a book also. What happened to the past nations? Allah says Fatala عَلَيْهِمُ Amad. Fatala, so it prolonged. عَلَيْهِمْ on them, what became very long? Al the time. Tala is from the word tul. And tul is the length of something. And Amad is a long span of time. So, عَلَيْهِمُ الْأَمَدُ A long time passed. Meaning, a long time of heedlessness and negligence towards the dhikr of Allah passed. And so, with time, as they continued to be heedless about the scripture, about the law that Allah gave them, meaning they didn't act upon it the way they should have, what happened? فَقَسَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ فقصت, So it hardened, it became hard. What became hard? قُلُوبُهُمْ Their hearts. With the passage of time, when they continued to be heedless to the scripture, to the law, gradually their hearts became hard. And when their hearts became hard, Allah says, وَكَثِيرٌ مِّنْهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ And most of them were Who? they became defiantly disobedient, immoral, crossing the limits set by Allah. So all believers, isn't it time for you to become humble already? Isn't it time for you to comply and obey? obey? When are you going to obey? When are you going to follow the commands that Allah has given you? When is that ideal perfect time going to be? Isn't the time right now? Because the time to obey Allah is the time when you learn Allah's commands it's not tomorrow it's not after 2030 years when is it it is now remember the companions what was their way how did they become the sabiqun because when they learned something they did it they didn't delay when they learned about the importance of spending in the way of Allah and ayah such as this, Man ذَلَّذِي يُقْرِضُ اللَّهَ قَرْضًا حَسَنًا An ayah such as this was revealed. One of the companions, he said to the Prophet wasallam, Allah asks us for a loan. Allah is asking us for a loan. I am ready to give such and such property of mine in the way of Allah. And this property was in the prime location, very close to the masjid. And perfect land, orchards, So it was fertile land, it had a source of water, and his family actually lived on that land. And he gave that in the way of Allah. When? After five days? After five years? No, immediately. The time to obey Allah is when? When you learn what Allah wants you to do. And if we delay... What are we doing then? We are being heedless. It's like, yeah, I know what Allah wants me to do, but you know, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And when we remain heedless, inactive, for a long time, then what happens? قلوبuhum, then the heart becomes hard. And when the heart becomes hard, then what happens? Then a person learns, and he hears... But nothing moves him. Nothing changes him. His heart does not become humble. So Allah is warning us over here. Why are you delaying? When are you going to change? When are you going to obey? Haven't you seen what happened to the people of the past? The past nations? Allah gave them scripture. He showed them miracles. He gave them amazing blessings. They witnessed amazing events. But the same people, when they remained in heedlessness, eventually their hearts became hard. And when their hearts became hard, look at what they did. I mean, you wonder sometimes, what happened to the Bani Israel? That here, just a couple days ago, what happened? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala split the sea for them, and drowned Fir'aun for them. And what happened? When they crossed the sea, very soon, when they came across the people who were worshipping idols, what did they do? They made an idol. I mean, it doesn't make sense. What happened? What happened to their hearts? And when Harun a.s. stopped them, they threatened to kill him. So much so that he had to stop advising them. He had to become quiet. Musa a.s. brings the tablets, and what is their reaction? We're never going to believe until we see Allah. Didn't you see the power of Allah when you the sea open up? Do you really need to see Allah? This is the hardness of heart. That nothing affects a person then. Nothing changes a person then. See, the heart is something very amazing. It's very amazing. When the heart is soft, it accepts and it takes in the advice that is offered. It is moved. And when it is moved, it leads the body to action. But when the heart is hard, then it rejects the advice that is given to it. It remains unmoved. And it doesn't lead the body to action. It remains inactive. The hardness of the heart is something extremely dangerous because it leads to fisk. Such fisk that it's so blatant, it's so obvious, but a person doesn't feel shy doing it. He doesn't even feel bad doing it. He doesn't even see the wrong in the sin that he is committing. kathirum minhum fasikun. And this is something so horrible that a person is doing something wrong but he doesn't even see the wrong in it. Have you ever caught someone lying? Have you ever had that experience where you know that someone is lying to you on your face? Does that fill your heart with disgust for them? Even if they're a child. It's horrible. That what is wrong with this person, they know this is wrong, yet they're doing it. Still they're doing it. Why? Why would a person do something like that? Because the heart has become insensitive. It doesn't even feel anymore. It doesn't. So over here, we are warned. A sense of urgency is created over here. That don't delay. Don't procrastinate. What you know you're supposed to do, khalas, do it. You don't know how long you have. And then, a warning is given through the example of the previous nations. You see, the earlier generations of a nation, of a prophet, they were always more righteous compared to the generations that came later on. As we learned in Surah Al-Waqi'ah, When it comes to the Sabiqun, this is the reality. That there are many amongst the earlier generations and few from the later generations. Why? Because the earlier generations, and the reason why they are more superior in the sight of Allah, is because their hearts are softer. Their hearts are softer. In the sense that as they learn, they implement. Because they value the deen. They have struggled for the deen. They have sacrificed for the deen. They have invested their blood and their sweat and their money and their life savings and everything into it. Abu Bakr رضي anhu, when he went for the hijrah, what did he take with him? His life savings. All that he had. When the Muslims immigrated from Makkah, what were they sacrificing? Their homes. I mean, a house is something that you can't buy and you can't build in just a day. Your whole life's effort goes into it. So the believers, the earlier generations, they invest a lot in the deen. And that's why they value the deen. And when they value it, their hearts are softer. So when they learn something, they do it. But the later generations, what happens with them? Yeah, we know it's there. They have more access to knowledge. Much more access compared to what the earlier generations had. But despite that knowledge, their hearts are harder. Why? It's not because you just happen to be unlucky that you came in a later generation. It's because some people take the deen for granted. Many people take the deen for granted. Yeah, yeah, of course it's a part of our deen. Yes, it's written in the books. Yeah, there are many lectures out there. And there's a huge discrepancy between knowledge and action. Huge discrepancy. And there's also a lot of delay in terms of learning about something and then finally doing it. So over here, warning is being given that look at what happened to the previous nations. Look at what happened to them. That as time went on, their hearts became Hard. Why? Because they remained heedless. Yes, they gained a lot of knowledge, but they acted very little. Remember the statement of Ibn Umar that I mentioned to you earlier. He said that we were given iman, and then we were given Quran. So when we learned the Quran, we implemented it. And he said that now I see people, one of whom reads the whole Quran from Fatiha to the end of the Quran. But he doesn't change even a little bit. Why? Because action is being delayed. Quran is being learned for the sake of being learned. And here we need to ask ourselves, why am I learning this? Why am I doing this? Is it just because it's become a little fashionable amongst certain religious crowds? Just to have a sense of belonging? Or just so that I can also use big words and then attack scholars and, and things like that? This is hardness of the heart. The sahaba, their way was that they would learn 10 verses of the Qur'an and they would not move on until they had perfected them in terms of their actions. This was their methodology. That every 10 verses, they would focus on the amal, not just the understanding and the memorization. We think memorization, if I've memorized the Qur'an, I have given the Qur'an its haq. I have done what I'm supposed to do. You see, there are levels of learning the Qur'an. The first level is of recitation. All right, it is tilawa. Actually, before the tilawa is, is listening, listening to the Quran. Then there is the reading of the Quran. Then there is the memorization of the Quran. Then there is the understanding the Quran. Maximum that people go is up to here, understanding learning its tafsir learning the rulings of the quran what is this fancy term and what is that fancy word and what is that term in arabic grammar and that that's it understanding but it doesn't stop there all of this is supposed to lead us to what to amal to action action and if it's not leading to action all of this is going to harden the heart yes It can harden the heart. Because if a person is just reading and reading and reading, and memorizing and memorizing and memorizing, without acting upon anything that he's reading or memorizing, or learning, or reflecting upon, or understanding, and there's no action, then this kind of knowledge is not going to create humility. This kind of knowledge is going to create arrogance in a person. I'm a big shot. Because I know this term and I have learned this book and I have studied that course. This produces arrogance. What produces humility in a person is action. So Allah asks us, amanu qulubuhum li Allah is asking us, what are you gonna say? Allah is asking us, isn't it time? What are you gonna say? Yeah, maybe. I'll think about it. Yes, it is time. When a person distances himself from action, then what happens? He begins to even forget what he has learnt. And when he forgets what he has learnt, then how? How and when is he going to do amal? When is he going to act upon it? And with this forgetfulness, eventually what happens? The heart becomes hard. In surah maidah ayah number 13, وَنَسُوا حَظَّ mimma ذُكِّرُوا بِهِ And they forgot a huge portion of that which they were reminded of. They forgot it. They left it. They abandoned it. Meaning, they didn't act upon it. All Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. <تصفيق> 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 أَلَمْ يَأْنِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَن تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَمَا نَزَلَ مِنَ الْحَقِّ وَلَا يَكُونُ كَالَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قَبْلُ ones عَلَيْهِمُ الْأَمَدُ فَقَسَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَكَثِيرٌ مِنْهُمْ فاسقون